I'm so grateful that you're all blessed in this fellowship and love to see and talk to each other. We probably ought to have just a day where we can sit and just talk to each other because the preachers keep interrupting it. Amen? Well, that's the loudest amen you've ever given me. Anyways, here we go. This morning, we're going to start talking. We're continuing our, our lesson in the book of Acts. You know, the amazing part about the book of Acts, as Jeff has mentioned before, this is only a 10-year period, 10 to 12-year period in the history of the church. And it, while, we, while we think that there's many, many years of this going on, and, and as we read it, we think, oh, there couldn't have been the people doing this. The part that I, I hope that you realize is that Several things are going on at once. See, this is how God works. God foresees, he, he knows what needs to be done, what needs to be in place for his plan to become more active and present and, and very active in the, in the lives of people. And in that, what happens is we forget to realize that while Peter and his guys are doing it, we may have some disciples on this side doing things over here. They're not very far apart while they're doing it. They're pretty close, but however, what happens is there's things going on in the background that sometimes we don't realize that God is doing. And this goes on even to today in your own life. See, there's things going on in the background right now that you, didn't, that you never knew about. For myself, I mean, I grew up in the west side of Long Beach doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> don't, anyways... So we were, you know, I was a kid in Long Beach. I was the only white guy in, in the stage band at Poly High School. I was the only white guy in the neighborhood. I was, I was like the, the, the token for everybody there. And in that, though, I learned how to communicate to all kinds of racist creeds and everybody else. It didn't matter who was whom. I just knew how to be in the right place in the right frame of mind with whoever I was with. And what we're going to find in this chapter of Acts, as we continue, we're going to find out quickly how the, the apostles were faced with a dilemma that could have caused great division among the disciples, but it did not for one reason, and we'll get into that right now. And last week, you know, Jeff shared with us about how Peter and the apostles answered the council, or the Sanhedrin, who told them not to ever speak the name of Jesus. The word of God makes it very clear that the disciples took a stand. And they made it clear too that they to the council that they would follow God's command whenever it conflicted with those people who are in authority. Now, of course, after being flogged, it says they went on their way rejoicing that they had been considered worthy uh, to suffer the shame for his name, Jesus' name. Then it says, and every day in the temple... And from house to house, I love that, and from house to house, it says they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Christ. Acts, in Acts 41, 42, where Pastor Jeff finished last week. So now we go on to Acts chapter 6. As we go on to chapter 6, the, the way that it starts is right after all of those events of the flogging, the celebrating, the house to house, we start chapter 6 with these. Now. At this time, while the disciples were increasing in number. Now, that means that there were th good things going on. Good things were happening in the evangelism and growth of the disciples. And 
during that time when they were being flogged and everything else, everybody's saying, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. They come out celebrating because they were counted worthy. That's a great thing. In that, all that was happening was God was moving in such a way that nobody could understand because these crazy guys who just got beat up were celebrating. They're getting beat up for his name's sake. There is a potential problem, however. See, we all have an enemy of our hearts. And he's the enemy that tries to come and distract you from doing God's work, from being God's child, from being anything that is related to Jesus and to God in your lives. There is, there is an evil part. And it tells us this in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. If you want to look that up, you can find out why we're fighting. But we, when we get to this point, we know that the enemy of our hearts could use to cause a division among the people. Because the next thing it says, in this thought, all of a sudden, the Bible just tells us, and then a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. We look at that and we think to ourselves, okay, well, that shouldn't be a big deal because we have, they're both Jewish people, right? They're both Jewish people and they both were God's chosen people and they knew this. Well, the potential problem here is that the enemy wants to cause division among the disciples so that they don't go do their thing. So there's two different groups of people who are both of the same heritage. But there's two groups of people responded to the Holy Spirit's ministry through the proclamation of the gospel by the apostles on the day of Pentecost. And that was back in Acts 2, where we learned that that was happening and everybody was understanding the gospel in their own languages. So we had one group called the Hellenistic Jews. They were the Greek-speaking Jews who lived around the Mediterranean. We're talking uh, Macedonia, Thessalonica, Berea, anywhere in those areas. And they maintained their Jewish religion through the synagogues in their own respective cities. Some were the de descendants of the dispersion, the Jews who did not return to Palestine after the exile. These are the Jews that stayed in the Greek-speaking areas, but went to their synagogues in their own cities. Then you had the Palestinian Jews. They were descendants of the exiled Jews who returned from Babylonia to rebuild Jerusalem under the leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra. Remember, we just studied the book of Nehemiah, and we knew that they were building the wall. And in that time, when they came back to build the wall, they were the intensely nationalistic, vigilant in observance of the law, the traditions of the Jewish religion. They spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, whereas the Hellenistic Jews spoke Greek. Now... <laughs> the Hellenistic Jews responded to the gospel and the Palestinian Jews who responded to the gospel were part of the crowd that observed what happened on that day of Pentecost. So they stayed in Jerusalem after Pentecost and part of each group joined in the way or as it was called back then, they became followers of Jesus. But they were both still of two different mindsets in how they were. And they were drawn into a close, close relationship that could not have otherwise happened. See, without the Spirit of God stepping in to take these completely diverse, though 
nationalistic in both ways and accepted in their they were of two different mindsets but then they came to jesus and they came into one mindset as far as the lord was concerned isn't it funny that how even in this day the church of jesus christ in the church had problems I know that's not the case in our church because that would never happen. We won't have any of those here. But the Holy Spirit, what? Oh, I see. The Holy Spirit, (laughs) the Holy Spirit was working to bring those people together. Even in the closeness of being brothers and sisters in the Lord, there was the problems brought on by thoughts of prejudice and jealousy. Those who thought they were being mistreated by others and the, the, the Hellenistic Jews were trying to, they were raising a complaint. As the apostles are faced with this problem, the great part is how they listened to both sides. They heard them, and then they were listening to the Holy Spirit's guide them through their leadership. Before reacting to the complaint, they waited and let God move. Wouldn't it be amazing if every time that I had a complaint, a problem, or something in my own life, the first thing I would do is slow down, rest, take a breath, and let God give me the answer. And then act through God's Holy Spirit to resolve it. And that's what we're going to see what happened to here. See, the Hellenistic Jews were raising a complaint about their widows. Their widows were not getting the same food as the Palestinian Jews' widows in the daily serving of food. And by the way, you know, if you want to pick a fight, start talking about the moms who are widows who are being neglected, right? They're picking on my mom, that's it, I'm done with them. So here's what we got. We got trouble brewing because of the enemy bringing up the the stuff. And we got an enemy that's very happy. He's starting to celebrate. But the apostles never took offense, right? Or became defensive in raising of the complaint. But because they were so led by the Holy Spirit, a solution came to them. And the first thing they did in the next slide says, and the 12 summoned the full number of disciples. So remember, after the day of Pentecost, you had the 12 apostles, but then there was about 120, and then it increased to thousands after the day of Pentecost as they were increasing in number. And while they were increasing in number, they began began to realize that because of cultural differences in the name of Jesus, they were, yes, one and together and, and really stayed structured with the Lord. But they still had their cultural differences. So the apostles got both groups together, and they summoned them together. The apostles said, okay, here, let's get together and look at this problem together. As they gathered them, I believe there was tension in the room. Don't you know that as you walked in that room, you could have stood there, and on one side you saw all the Palestinian Jews, and then on the other side you saw all the Hellenistic Jews. And then in the middle was everybody else that was all all the Greek-speaking people who were the Gentiles who were not part of the Jews. And they're probably sitting in the middle looking at both sides going, okay, why are we... If they're mad at each other, being in the middle, that's not a good, safe place to be. But at the same time, 
they were the ones thinking, oh good, <laughs> they can't blame this one on the Gentiles. See, we're not part of this problem, so we're okay. And then the apostles, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, they said, okay, in verse 3, he says, okay, pick out seven men from among you, right? And the interesting part about this is what happened when they said that, and this group of both sides looked around because Jesus gave them a very specific criteria for the men they're picking, didn't they? And if you, as you read through it, here's what it says. And the, and the fun part of this, the brother, they selected from among them seven good men of, reputation, of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we may put in charge of this task of serving the tables. Therefore, brethren, select them, and then uh, among you, the good men of those, those criteria. It says, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the statement. The statement then, it says, they found favor with the whole congregation. They said, oh yeah, that sounds good to us. So as the disciples, not the apostles, as the disciples begin to look for men of good reputation, seven, they had to have seven, Interesting, because those of you who went with me through the book of Revelation, remember seven is the number four? Seven. Say it again, loud. Yep, it's the perfect name. It's the perfect name for those in God. Everything happens around the book. It's the, the, the holy number. It's the, what we want to call it. But anyways, as they were told to cho choose these seven men, the interesting part about them getting together was, I would have loved to have seen who gets to decide that. I mean, Who's the, who, how are they going to do this? The apostles gave them a perfect example. You wait, you pray, and you listen. Because once you start waiting on the Lord, praying for his guidance, listening to the guidance, because praying for it and listening to the response is two different things, isn't it? Because sometimes I pray and God tells me what I need to do, are you sure that's what you want me to do? Do you know who you're telling me to go talk to right now? We're going to see that later on. Just going to be sharing that with us in a couple weeks. But the amazing thing about the apostles was they left it, and then it says, okay, the apostles said, okay, it's all in your hands now, we're leaving. Probably the Gentiles sitting in the middle are looking up and going, you just going to walk away and tell them to do this? And they uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. Sometimes when you lay something in the hands of, of the people of the church, like when God tells you something to do, he's going to let you do what needs to be done because you're spirit-led. When we're led by the Holy Spirit to do anything, and it could be something as simple as sending cards to people who are hurting or making a telephone call. It could be that simple. And when God sits and tells you to do something and you're chosen to do that, that's the reason that we titled, the, I made this title Chosen for a Purpose because this chapter is all about choosing people for a purpose. That's where we are in this scripture. So men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom. We don't know how long they deliberated. We don't know how long it took. We know, but here's what we do know. The first thing they did was they chose Stephen. <laughs> they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. 
and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmesan, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So those are your seven, we got our seven guys. By the way, Stephen's name, and his parents didn't realize this. I don't know that they, they realized this. Oh, all the names are Greek, which means they are Hellenistic Jews. All seven of the men that were chosen of good reputation and all of those criteria were Hellenistic Jews. And they chose Stephen first because he was the most well-known as a man full of faith. Now the word Stephen alone, okay, all the Stephens in the room, keep your heads on. Don't get all proud and haughty. And if wives, if they do, you send a Pastor Bill an email. We'll talk about that. Stephen means a crown. That's what it is. And I'm not going to get into how, but I can tell you that there's two ways you can spell Stephen, right? Everybody knows this. One way means the crown is in a position. You've heard of the crown of England, meaning the whole court, the king, queen, and everybody, the crown. They represent the crown. The other crown means a victor's crown. See, little did Stephen's parents understand and know that in naming him, that soon he would become such a follower of a man from Nazareth who was going to wear a crown of thorns. And not only that, his devotion to that would end up in a very unique way, which Jeff is going to talk about, and I don't get to talk about it yet. I'm not going to give away the secrets. They brought all of them, these seven men, to the apostles. And they laid their hands on him and prayed. And then in verse 7 it says, And the word of God kept on spreading. And verse 8, Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. So now all of a sudden the enemy realizes and knows uh, we have a problem. And he reaches down and he says, hey, we, we have to do something about this. God's word spreading, getting more powerful, equals an enemy who's getting very scared and nervous. First off, the enemy's division plan did not work. Okay, that didn't work, so we need to think of something else. And then verse 9 says, show us the next interruption in making the work of the gospel known to all men in other words in other words they have there has to be an interruption to stop this because the church is growing men are starting to learn and come to the lord jesus christ disciples are being made then it says in verse in verse 8 it says that the men of the synagogue of the free men rose up and i'm sorry it was in uh Verse 9, some men from what was called the synagogue of the free men, including Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. So it rose up and argued with Stephen until, until. Stephen is winning the arguments. They can't understand how he was so filled with the spirit with which was in. they made for heated debates as they were coming and challenging him. Oh, by the synagogue of free men. 
Let me just tell you a little bit real quick of their, they rose up. This was a big challenge for Stephen. You see, these were men of a special synagogue in Jerusalem that was made up of Hellenistic Jews from Alexandria, Cyrenia, Cilicia, and Asia. Stephen, being a Hellenistic Jew himself, he went to their temple to share the news of Jesus with them. He went back to his people and said, you got to meet this guy. You have to know what's going on. This is the one who saves. He was resurrected from the ground. And God filled us with the Spirit, telling you this is the way, the truth, and the life to find eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now then, when the, he did that, they began to get upset about it. Because they thought that everything they had believed in their whole life, he was telling them all of a sudden that it was wrong. One of the biggest fear that humankind has is that everything that we have known, believed all of our lives, is wrong. I've had friends who had grandparents who were not saved say to me, Pastor Bill, are, are my grandparents going to be in heaven? They were really good people. And I have to tell them, I don't get to make that decision. See, nobody on this earth does get to make I'm not a judge. I'm not the judge. Only Jesus is the final judge. And it tells us that in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. When we look at those things, we start to realize what it really takes for us to be in, have our names in the book of life. So as these men of special synagogue in Jerusalem, as they were being to disagree with Stephen and argue with him, it made for very heated debates. And yet, <laughs> it says that they were unable to compete with Stephen and his wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And that's in verse 10. So they couldn't stand up against Stephen until. Uh-oh, now the enemy's getting nervous again. So what happened was this. Then these freed, these free men of the synagogue were told, it says in that, this next verses 12 through 14, it says, then they secretly instigated and induced men. They could not compete with his wisdom, so they made up lies. And the lies will be appropriate to the people to whom it matters. What better way to incite the council than to incite and threaten the, excuse me, their belief system? And when we, when we start to threaten their, Jeannie, it's right there. When we start to incite their belief system, they begin to get upset. So, thank you, thank you. You could tell, could you? Um, excuse me. As they have to make up these lies, they're going to make up lies that are going to make the Sanhedrin mad. They're going to make up the lies that matter to them. See, when evil starts to lose the battle for the human heart, what happens is they will secretly incite and induce. They will do whatever it takes to stop the gospel from being presented. So what is the job of every person who calls on the name of Jesus as Savior? 
just going to leave that with you and let you think about that for a minute. Because here's, I'd like, to, I'd like to present you with a question. Let me ask you this. Why is it that once we come to the acceptance of Jesus Christ as Savior in our lives, we don't go straight to heaven, right? Because once we accept Jesus, we're in the kingdom of, we're in the book of life. We're in the kingdom of God. Why don't we go straight to heaven? Wait, 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 wait. What? We got to spread the word. Because do, if you do, raise your hand, but do any of you know anyone who is not saved, who doesn't know Jesus? Go ahead. I do. I could get real ugly here and say, why not? But I won't do that. <laughs> like Pastor Jeff keeps telling us, keep the main thing the main thing. We are told to go, make, and teach. That's what we're told. Okay, Matthew 28, 16 through 19. And always know when you do, when you go, make, and teach, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? amen. Oh, I like that way, amen. That was good. Because here's the thing. We never have to fear that we don't have the power to do what he has asked us to do. Because guess what? You're right. You don't have the power. But your power lies in the name of Jesus. That's where your power is. Your power is in it. When you are chosen for a purpose, evil quivers. Psalm 139 in the Old Testament says that God knew us before a word was on our lips. He gives you free will to choose his plan of salvation for you. And the great thing is that when you do, you can discover his good and perfect will for your life. Now sometimes, I'm not going to say all the time, but sometimes we might be a little stubborn. <laughs> and if any of you are telling me you're never stubborn, remember I'm a pastor, you can't lie to the pastor. Anyway, when you do this, also, the enemy of your heart, according to 1 Peter 5, is a lion looking to devour you. Yes, when you step into God's service, when you step into the service of the king, when you start to do things for the Lord Jesus Christ and people around you are noticing the difference in you, people at work in the, in the secular work. Remember, I wasn't always a pastor. I was a diesel mechanic for 22 years. Now, diesel mechanics can be known for their flowery language. <laughs> a little bit. And they would tell jokes, and I would walk out of the room, and they would get upset. And then they would start making fun of me because I never did so, you know, threw things at the trucks and called them names that I don't think is physically possible for the truck. But they would get so mad, and then as a group, they would all make fun of me, right? But then if I'm over there working on an engine, and I'm by myself, and I'm sitting there, then pretty soon somebody's looking around, and he sneaks around the corner, and he gets... Now, see, one of the things about trucks, once you get in there, you get in between the tire and, and the hood of the truck that's tilted up, you cannot be seen. So they would come up, and I'd look up, I'd be working down here like this, all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this body standing there between the tire and the thing. And he'd say, hey, Bill. And, and it, it's never as loud as they're laughing at me in the break room because I'm being Christian, you know. It's never as loud as they're talking out there. When they're standing inside the truck to talk to me personally, it's, hey, Bill. 
Yeah, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing okay, but guess what? What? My child is really sick. Could you pray? And I said, well, you want me to pray with you right now? Because I can. No, I'm just saying, I know that you pray. I don't know how to, but would you ask God to please heal my son? I'd say, you betcha, man. You give me your son's first name, I will do that. And they would do that time and time again. And the funny part is this group of eight other mechanics, one by one of them would find me in different places by myself and want me to pray for them, their family, if they got financial needs. One guy went to Vegas and lost his car and had to figure out a way he was going to tell his wife. <laughs> True story. And in all of that, in all of that, the enemy was working so hard to stop me from sitting down and explaining to them, <laughs> there is a way for you to be able to know God is taking care of you. There is a way for you to not have to use me as your token Christian in the group to go to God. I'm not going to go stand up before God and say, oh, Lord Jesus, please help my fr friend Tommy. That was his first. I'm not going to give you his last name. Tommy would come to me. I'd say, okay, Lord, please help Tommy because you know his son is sick or he lost his car. Things like that. I didn't have to do that. He could go to him himself. So I had to ask them, starting probably after fourth or fifth guy comes around. He comes to me and he says, hey, Bill, how come we all come to you to pray? I said, no, that's the question I have for you. Why do you, what do you think, God is not going to hear you? Well, no, he doesn't listen to me, he listens to you more. As the apostles are, are doing all of, excuse me, all of these things with, with Stephen, with the council, with the Sanhedrin, all of a sudden now there are priests starting to listen to him. Members of the Sanhedrin are starting to come to Jesus. And most of the people that stood there before him who were gazing intently at him and looking at Nazareth, he was chosen for a purpose. He had no fear because he didn't need to have fear. He knew that the one that he trusted, loved, and counted on and filled him was greater than anything that they could do to him. You know, Peter and the apostles, they all of a sudden were sitting there getting beat up and everything in Jesus' name, and they thought, this is so cool. They were thinking, how cool is this that we get beat just because we said the name of Jesus? So, of course, some people would think that once you're flogged like that, I think I'm going to go home and rest. You know, some people are going to say, yeah, I'm tired. I don't want to get beat up again. I'm going to go home. And that's what the enemy was counting on. He was hoping that after they got flogged, they were going to go home. And then it says, what did they do? They went right back out and started going not only in the temple, but they went house to house. Here's what I would like to see. I would love to see the map of the houses that they went to. Because remember, you got the Roman centurions, you got... You have people from the Sanhedrin who have their own houses. You have the people from Greece who have their own houses who believed in all the Greek gods and stuff like that. You had all of these different cultures going to it, but it says they went from house to house. They didn't care who lived there. They didn't care if 
all of a sudden, um, if I walk into this house, I don't know, somebody might kill me. They weren't worried about that. They had a protection that nobody else knew. And I share this with you because in our day and age right now, we stand in a place where that all of a sudden we are getting, I want to say, uh, mistre- I don't want to say mistreated as bad as them, but we are at a point to learning and knowing and hearing what it means for people to not just not believe in Jesus, but they're beginning to hate Christians. They're beginning to treat us differently because of whom we believe. Some of you may have been victims of this already. I want you to know that the covering of the angels for you, the covering of the Holy Spirit of God for you, you can look and smile, you can look and ignore it, you can walk away from it, you can do whatever you want to. Because those who hold on to the Holy Spirit of God will never ever have the enemy prevail against them. Amen? Amen. And that's how it's, it's going to be. So I'm going to talk just a little bit after we went through that threat and their belief. Oh, let's talk about as they secretly instigated and induced these men, they couldn't compete with Stephen's wisdom. So they made up lies. The lies would be appropriate to those people. I shared that with you earlier. But let me give you some lessons of life in the scriptures on, on the next slide. When evil starts to lose, they will secretly induce. This is what it takes to stop the gospel from being presented. I asked you, what is the job of every person who believes in the name of Jesus? <sighs> Greater is he that's in you. When you are chosen for a purpose, evil does quiver. So rest, church. Rest in his power and grace. Rest in the great physician, the almighty, omnipotent God. Rest in his love, because the last verse in Acts 6 says this. Even when Stephen was being accused falsely, <laughs> this, this phrase, I'm just going to read it out of the last those things. And fixing their gaze on him, by the way, in the original language, what the hearers of this word would have heard is that they were staring at him with contempt. Okay? They wanted to hurt him. They wanted to do something to stop him and shut him up. Right? And fixing their gaze on him. All who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. You know, nobody ever accused me of having the face of an angel. (laughs) But I'm just, I just can't believe how it would have looked if all of a sudden their anger and all of a sudden the vision changes right in front of their face like they can see the glow of the glory of God. There's a spirit within all of us here today that we have in that. In that glow, in that Shekinah glory of the Lord, as it's called in in the Old Testament, in that glory and that Holy Spirit indwelling that we have, what happens is this. People around you will walk up to you and say, wow, you look different. What happened? You know, when all of this stuff is going crazy in the office, how come you don't act this way? You know, 
Bill, how come when you drop a cylinder head on your hand or something, you don't say the same words we do? <laughs> I said, don't trust me. I might have been thinking them. I just didn't say them. Let's be honest. But at the same time, I knew this. Everyone around me is watching for me to say those words, don't you think? They're looking at me and going, is he really a Christian? Let's see. How many times have you seen a, a pastor or a Christian or somebody that slips, being, they give in to temptation and say, yeah, they're supposed to be Christian. Why is that? So understand and know one thing. When you are chosen for a purpose, you are never expected to be perfect. And in fact, you are expected for one thing. Slow down, listen, or pray, and then listen. And then the last thing would be, go. Go make teach. When we get to the point that we start to slow down, pray, and listen, before we act, you notice the before we act, because the part I like is when we do something stupid and though, oh God, can you get me, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. <laughs> but if we slow down, pray, listen, and go, we're going to be not just happier, but amazed at what God is going to do through you. Because you're going to get a chance to do things for the kingdom of God. And it doesn't, I'm not talking about leading thousands and thousands of people to the Lord like Billy Graham. That's not what I'm talking about. Because all you have to do is make a difference in one life. Amen? Amen. Because it tells us that the 10,000 angels celebrate when one comes to Jesus. So if it takes a while for just one to come to Jesus, that's okay. Take the time. Listen to them. Let them tell you what's wrong. Okay. Do I have all the answers? No. Do I know to where to get them? Yes. Oh, and by the way, the answer is never call Bill. That's not the answer. <laughs> you find your own stuff. You can research this and find the answers. Because it's a great thing when you sit down with somebody and see the change in their face when they make that prayer of confession and faith. When they stand before the Lord Jesus and say, God, I want you more than anything else. I'm a mess. I'm, I don't, and don't let people tell you, oh, I'm going to get straight, then I'm going to come to Jesus. That's not how he says it. He says, you come to me and I'll help you get straight. Amen? Amen. That's how it really works when you start looking at how you're going to become, how people are going to come to the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward because I have one final question. I'm going to get nosy. I know it surprises you. What purpose are you chosen for? That's the final question. What purpose are you chosen for? Well, I've lost my slides. But what purpose are you chosen for is the final question. Because here's the thing. Each one of you, when you come to the knowledge and the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, you didn't go to heaven for one reason. It's time to go spread the word. And it may be simple as a phone call saying, hey, my friend, you know what? We haven't talked in a while. I'm just calling to see how you are. You don't need to call them and give them a Bible study. 
You don't need to call him and do like when Greg Laurie first started his mission when he was 18 years old and get a big Bible and go down the pier and start waving it at people. You don't have to do any of that stuff because the Spirit of God is going to lead you in how to do this. Next week, Pastor Jeff is going to, the, the story of Stephen will continue and his purpose will even be more pronounced. So make sure you're here next week as he shares to let you know how big of an impact Stephen makes. But if you're here today and you want to know how to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, or maybe you just need prayer for some things in your life, I'm going to open this up while the, while the worship team sings the next song, and, and you can just come forward. Um, Dee, can you and Connie maybe come over here? Um, who's back here? I'm looking for some more elders back here. Huh? Where's Byron? Byron, come on up, and maybe on this side. I'll be up here in the middle, but we'd love for you to come forward if you need to pray. Some of our elders will be up here. Jeff is, uh, Jeff is probably going to be in the back somewhere. But church, know this. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Even in the times when Stephen was struggling and, and the tough parts of, for the disciples, even when they're going through all of the hardest times of life, what happens? They all of a sudden reach up to heaven and heaven answers. Would you stand with me, please? Because as the team sings and we go into the short time of worship, if this morning there's prayers you need, please come forward. But more even than that, pray where you are. If you don't know what your purpose is, if you ask God, he will tell you if you stop listen stop pray and listen just like they did that's the lesson of chapter six they listened to god and he showed him how to go thank you father for this time together lord we are amazed that you would choose any of us to do anything for you the most holy god we look in the mirror and we see our flawed selves. We see the selves of us that don't deserve to even hear your voice. And yet, God, whenever we come to you, you are waiting with open arms. So, Lord, if there's any this day who are here or are even screaming with us, streaming with us, may they know that they can contact us that they said a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come in. I am a sinner and you are a holy God. I turn my life over to you, Father. I ask Jesus to come into my life. I ask him to come in and help me with my unbelief. And I surrender to your will, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I find 
And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. grace is found is where you are and where you stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean oh how my 
church as you go this week, okay? God bless you all for, bring, for being here today and, and bringing your family and friends and the people who are. Please bring more. We want them to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. God bless you all. May you have a great week. Celebrate life and love with each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. You have a great week.